0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When 12-year-old Itan, a straight-A student, comes home from school in San Francisco, she is stunned to find that the furniture is upended and there's no trace of her mother, Joanna. Child Protective Services dumps Itan and her six-year-old brother Neto with their estranged uncle Ivencio, a big rig truck driver. And from there, we find out that her mother has been, in fact, taken into custody by Immigration Customs Enforcement, or ICE. And from there, the film turns into a story about trying to find Joanna and reunite with her children. The film is called Collisions, and we're joined today by the director of Collisions, and that be Richard Levine. Richard, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Hi, thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on a film that is a story well told and a story that's very relatable, and it's also a story that is as relevant as it could possibly be in terms of the story of people being ripped from their lives, put into kind of a dark hole, disappearing from view and with almost no hope of of ever seeing their children again where did the story come from
1: yeah well it's um the interesting thing is that i actually started working on the story about 10 years ago so um interestingly enough a lot of the you know what i view as, as as human rights abuses in the film um basically separating families and not, in some cases, even allowing them a phone call so that their loved ones don't even know where their, where their parents are. All of that stuff was happening at the previous um, administration. The thing that's happened with the current administration is that there's a lot more of a spotlight on the issue. The current administration has done certain things which are, let me say, even um, of a higher stakes than that. And so that's shone a lot of light now on, on the day to day treatment of of detainees in our immigration system. And so in a way, I think there's a slight silver lining in what's going on now because a lot of a lot of these abuses have been going on frankly for years but people have not been paying attention and now all of a sudden people are paying attention. The the story I started working on it 10 years ago and a big part of the impetus for me was that my wife teaches public school here in San Francisco and she teaches in a school with um, 85% Latino population and you know population that gets really scared when people when people start saying, oh, there's going to be a whole lot of rage. Uh, My wife had a, she was teaching third grade, she had a girl in her class who was very bright and very enthusiastic, and all of a sudden this girl started behaving, um, uh, was very moody, would get angry for no reason, and it took a long time for my wife to build up enough trust uh, with the girl and her mom to to figure out what the story was, which was that um, her father had just been deported. That was a real shock to me because I knew that San Francisco was a sanctuary city, and I naively thought that meant that we didn't have raids in San Francisco. But I found out that, of course, we do. Um, you know, being a sanctuary city just means that the city tries not to cooperate with ICE in as much as it can, but it can't stop ICE from coming in. So I was really shocked that this stuff was happening in my in my in my backyard, uh, in, in my neighborhood, and. Um, it just made me. The more I thought about it, the more angry I, I felt about the way we were treating uh, these people who are just coming here for a for a better life. And and I couldn't let go of it. And so I started working on the working on the story. And then, also about the same time, I met uh, Malin Alegría, who used to teach actually at that very same school, and she's now a wonderful author of um, of books for um, especially for kind of middle school uh, girls. And she had a short story, which is basically the premise of this girl coming home from school and her mom being taken away by by the immigration police. And um, so I worked with her on the first draft of the of the script. But that was that was starting about ten years ago.
0: Well, I, I yeah, people do forget that uh, at one point uh, Barack Obama's administration and Barack himself was was known as the. Uh, What's the word? Reporter in chief. Yeah, I think, was yeah, they, yeah they, That they, was, they, was it. They, Thank was you. Was the title? Yes, was the, the title was no, that we got.
1: And, yeah. and and you know, I mean, honestly, I don't know if he deserves that title. I, in many ways, I'm a big fan of, of Barack Obama, and right. I honestly think that with certain of those actions, I think he was he was trying to present a tough face on immigration so that he could pass reforms, and he was passing reforms. Right, like so he DACA. Actually, uh, yeah. He passed actually, he passed DACA and was trying to get um, this other reform called DARPA through. And those are really good reforms, so I think he has a very mixed record for me. Yeah. Um, but yes, he did deport, ironically, he deported more people than Trump has managed to deport. And,
0: right. and, and you're right, a lot of people don't
1: know that. Um, right, well, and, and, and I think... again, it's
0: not that, yeah. No, I, the but, thing is that now th- these measures are so much more draconian. And, and the opportunity for redress or for appealing these decisions has gotten exponentially worse than it was under the Obama administration.
1: Yes, I think, as I was saying, I think I think that's right. I think the the current administration has done certain things that are much more extreme than have ever been done before. And the consequences for people's lives is 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 terrible, and it's happening every day. But I do think there's an opportunity because because people are paying more attention now, and I'm really hopeful that with a new a new Congress, hopefully, that some of these reforms uh, we've been fighting for for a long time might have a real chance.
0: Right. Well, the, the situation is much more cruel as well, and the circumstances that these people find themselves in. And which is, I mean, without getting way off into the a discussion about the politics, uh, the current political situation, it is, in fact... It is. There are echoes of it throughout uh, collisions, and this is at, at its heart. It's a it's a it's a film about a family. It's a film about the relationship between a mother and her children, about an estranged uncle who who whose backstory is heartbreaking, and who is at some point he has a good heart. And we know that almost immediately, but it takes it'll take some time for that to, to play out in the film. And it's just a it's a beautiful story. And I think the thing that is in addition to that is it's so well told the the film looks fantastic. Your, your um, cinematographer, Fraser Bradshaw, did a remarkable job in, in this the look of it and then the acting. The, you're, you've got some amazing actors in the film. Let's just talk a little bit about the story, if you want, a little more about the story. But but also I do want to talk about this amazing cast that you brought together.
1: Thank you, yeah. And, well, if you don't mind, I'll say one more thing about about the story and about the politics before we leave it, and that is that my hope is that, as I say, the, the what I view as human rights abuses that are detailed in the film, things like... Um, uh, people being detained um, in immigration um, detention but not guaranteed a phone call. Um, Most Americans are really surprised by that. They assume that if you go to jail, any kind of jail, you're guaranteed a phone call that they see in the movies. And they don't realize that immigration detainees are not guaranteed a phone call, and certainly not guaranteed a phone call in any kind of timely manner. So that loved ones can go literally missing for days or even weeks before the family has any idea where they, where they are or whether they're alive or dead. And that, to me, should not happen in America, and I believe that's a bipartisan issue. I, th- these kind of abuses I'm just describing were present under the previous administration, right. present under the current administration, and I think that the vast majority of Americans I speak to, even if they're not uh, pro-immigration. They are for sensible, humane uh, measures like allowing people to have phone calls. Right. So I really hope the film can can be a, a a vehicle for discussion about sensible reforms that, frankly, I think almost all of us can agree on. Um, right. But yes, uh, that's my that's no. My, that, that's, <laughs> that's my. I- feel uh
0: Richard, I think that's a I think that's a great point and and you're right this the film is kind of a primer on what the actual logistics what are what is the mechanism by which people are taken from their homes and where where they end up how did how do they get there and I think which just, just exactly what you described I think that's an important point so thank you for bringing that in yeah
1: but I'd but but love to talk about about the actors um um, uh, one of the first um, the, well, the first actor we got on board was Jesse Garcia and I just loved him in, in the film Quinceañera which I, um, did really well in the Sundance Film Festival and I won a whole bunch of awards and his performance won a bunch of awards too um, he was just electrifying in that and so when we got the opportunity to work with him I was just super excited and he came on not only as an actor but as a as a producer and he wanted to you know, go through the script with me and uh, and fine tune some of the dialogue. And he was just very active, actively involved with the whole process. And then, partly through him, we were able to to get uh, Ana La um, who is an amazing actress, and um, she's very well known in in Latin America. And and I think amongst the Latino population uh, here in the U.S., um, she's a phenomenal actor, but extremely extremely humble. Just brought a really lovely energy to the um, to the set. And then we were working on the kids, and and the big break we got there was uh, to work with um, a casting director called Heidi Levitt, who is kind of a Hollywood heavyweight casting director. Um, she's amazing. She's cast. Um, Uh, natural born killers and jfk and she won the casting uh, award for uh, the the movie the artist that won best picture um so and she is very well connected to the uh, latino actors in in hollywood so um getting her on board was was really key and when she put out a casting notice uh, looking for kids because of who she is, uh, I think we got the very best kids um, in in L.A. to come out. Um, When I went down for the... um, Actually, firstly, they submitted um, uh, tape auditions, Mm -hmm. and um, Isabella Alvarez and Jason Garcia were were my favorite uh, from the taped auditions. So we had them go last when I went down for callbacks, and we had them go together. And uh, I remember then doing their auditions uh, separately and, and they did a scene together and they were really the only kids that really nailed uh, being a believable brother and sister like cold, like right after <laughs> that and then they asked if they could sit and, and but, like Jason asked if he could sit and and watch um, Isabella's um, uh, individual audition and then he watched uh, Jason's audition and so they being very supportive of each other and saying, good job, like, like um, you know, wow. right from the beginning and I I, I turned to Heidi and said, we didn't tell them, by the way, they stopped the part, and, and Heidi said, sure, and their, <laughs> and their parents were waiting waiting outside. It was a very emotional moment for me, because until then, you know, I didn't really have a movie, because I remember Jesse Garcia telling me, if we don't get amazing kids, this movie is not going to work yep. at all.
0: Yep. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and you did. <laughs> you got some, really, a yeah. pair of wonderful performers. Uh and I mean both of them are outstanding and, and how old was Jason at the time that you were making the film Jason Garcia?
1: Jason was nine at the time and, and you know he looks a little younger than yes. he is which helps us because in, in the film he's sort of supposed to be more like six or seven but right. he was actually nine and that, that helped because he was just you know that much more able to um, to understand direction and so on but right. as, um,
0: and Isabella I, how think old I was, was telling you. Go ahead.
1: She was only, she was only twelve when when, when yeah. we shot this.
0: So I'm sorry, I didn't mean.
1: So I think she was like four. Yeah, she was only twelve years old when we shot this. I think she's fourteen now. So. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal. People sometimes, you know, compliment me on the performance of the uh, the child actors, and I, honestly, as a as a first time director, I would love to take more credit for that. But um, I really directed them exactly the same as the adults because they were such pros. They always had the first take. You know, to themselves, and then I would make really minor adjustments, and the adjustments were never because the performance was off. It was more just that I was looking for a variation that I could I could use in the edit room potentially. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they were phenomenal.
0: Well, well, my take on their performance, it, both of them, but I, I mean, Isabella Alvarez is one of the most self-possessed, confident young actors I've seen in a long time and i i never felt like she was playing to a camera she was kind of looking for she never looked lost in in what she was doing and there's your there there's a lot of interaction with um with adults in the film and she is just she's fantastic she's great i mean jason is well i i'm not denigrating in any way jason garcia but a lot of the sort of the catalyst for a lot of the action in the film is on her to to make it happen.
1: yeah, and, yeah so she she literally has to carry the carry the whole film and, and um, I'm not sure how she' been to a twelve year old, but I, <laughs> I do recall, you know pretty early on we started having um, some some little arguments on set about you know what her character would or would not do. And I think the, the the instant i I realized that Isabella really was going to be able to carry the film was when she was she was very successfully arguing with me like I know this character, and she's not going to do that. she's going to do this and I just really knew at that point that she had just absorbed this character and made it her own and 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 the the spine of her character was so solid that. It just wasn't going to get knocked off by anything, not by, like, technical difficulties on our low budget set or interacting with a hundred different adults, other actors. You know, she just really had a very clear sense of who her character was and, and what their, what she was going to do. It was remarkable to see.
0: I want to remind our listeners that we are talking with the director and writer of the film Collisions, Uh which is coming out here in Los Angeles on October 4th.
1: October 4th through 11th at Landley uh, Music Hall so in Beverly Hills.
0: Right. So and if the, people
1: are interested, The, uh, the um, you can get uh, tickets at uh, collisionsmovie.com.
0: Right, collisionsmovie.com is the website. And uh, are you in town for at, in the Q&As uh, at the Music Hall when it opens on the 4th?
1: I'll be uh, there um on the fourth at that musical for doing a Q&A, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Again, the film is called Collisions, and you can go to collisionsmovie.com to find out more. Well, in the last couple of minutes I have with you, I just uh, once again want to focus on, I, I know this was a, a film, This is you said, the, your first feature-length film, feature-length uh, uh, narrative film, and it has a great look. And I, I know I, we were. T- I mentioned uh Fraser Bradshaw as your cinematographer. Uh, a- anyone else yep. you want to talk about in terms of what was your notes to your cinematographer in this? Because there's a you're in a lot of cramped spaces, and then you have the sort of the wide open Southwest as well. So you have a, a variety of different kind of shooting backgrounds and backdrops.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, um, Fraser Bradshaw is an amazing cinematographer. Um... And I worked with him on my short film and actually took a class from him at Film Arts Foundation uh, here in San Francisco, which doesn't even exist anymore, but um, we've known each other for many, many years. And uh, he, I view him as a, not just a cinematographer, but as a mentor in filmmaking in general. And he's a great writer-director in his own right. Um, our initial discussions about the look actually centered around, uh, what you know, it's a road trip and it's going through the Southwest and... Um, and, you know, it's, it's about the, the redemption of this kind, on of, well, one level, about the redemption of the uncle character, yeah. this, um, you know, grump, grumpy kind of um, uh, beaten down uh, character who drives a big red truck. And I thought, in a way, it, it has some of the feeling of, of, of a modern day Western. And I've always been a fan of those um, uh, old um, big. Uh, Lovely Hollywood cowboy pictures like Butch Cassidy and, and the Sundance Kid, um, um, and, and you know, earlier films as well, but I particularly loved the look of that one. Mm-hmm. So I remember having discussions with Treasure about that, and we, we talked about low key, like very strongly backlit um, scenes, but, but both both outdoors and, and, and indoors. And a lot of the indoors are very, are very dark and kind of mysterious, with a lot of, a lot of shadow. The, uh, and so we, we, we were on a limited budget. To try to make that happen, but I think Fraser did an amazing job with trying to get that kind of moodiness and the the, the, the low-key look yeah. that we were looking for. Is, is that the right expression? I, 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 yeah. I, I'm not a cinematographer, so I, I, I mean I mean not a strong front light, but a but a really strong backlight and right. a lot of. Uh, Sort of mood and suggestion that goes with
0: that exactly no I you're right I, and this, yeah. a lot of a lot of the the film takes place in the cab of his truck there's hotel, sure. motel rooms there's uh, detention centers there's a lot of different kind of lighting involved and it, it all works really well and uh, I thought he did a fantastic job there's a, there's a nice uh, sound design and soundtrack to the film it's a it's really a very beautiful film. To, uh, to just to look at, but also, it's a, also a very emotionally involving film with uh, with this story. Yeah, and so that's that's.
1: Yeah, I I I'd love to actually plug uh, plug for a second the both the, the composer Justin Milan who's in L.A. did a phenomenal job, um, and also my sound mixer Alex Wilmer who's up here in the in the Bay Area. Um, he's just been very creative uh, um, and very uh, has a wonderful attention to detail. We. We actually we think that this is one of the few feature films um, out there that for which the ambient sounds of the film are entirely recorded with this Amboss mic that can actually record um, in in full full surround sound, um, and, and it's hardly ever done even on bigger bigger Hollywood uh, pictures because it's just it's kind of a pain a pain to do it. But um, Alex really wanted to. I to do it, including in the truck. We had this amboss microphone sitting in the truck cab, so you're literally surrounded by the real sounds of what it's like to be in a big, 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 big truck. It was just a joy working with Alex.
0: Well, congratulations on the film. Congratulations on Collisions. Uh, It is, as as we talked about earlier, begins its Friday through through, uh, October 4th through October 10th at the Lemley Music Hall, you gotta go see this, uh, and you'll be there. Uh, Richard will be there for a Q and A on Friday, and I did. Did I hear you say Saturday as well for a Q and A um, at the?
1: I'll just be there. I'll be there on Friday.
0: Well, check it out. You can go to collisionsmovie.com to find out more about the film, and um, yeah, my congratulations to you on this. And with this film, I've, I feels like you're going to have a lot more future film projects ahead of you, and I hope you'll come back and join us again. Richard Levine, thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. It's a real honor to be on, be on your show, and I really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films.